Welcome to Britt David Podcast, as Andy Wells brings us a message today entitled, As It Was in the Days of Noah. Well, good evening. Thank y'all for being here this evening. If you, if you weren't here this morning, you might be uh, wondering, where's Tim? And... Uh, Either Tim's not here or Tim grew a beard in the last six hours, one or the other. So uh, if it's not the second, this Tim's not here. And we, uh, Tim and Dina are uh, on the way to New Orleans, to the Southern Baptist Convention. And we pray that the Lord will bless them on their trip and uh, keep them safe. And that his will be done at the convention this week. As he said this morning, it's an important week. And we pray that just whatever the Lord's will is, that that's what, that's what will happen. And he'll bring Tim and Dina back home to us later on this week. But I pray they have a good time and have a great trip all the way around. So thank you all for being here, and it is a privilege for me to be able to speak to you tonight and an honor for me to open God's Word, and I just thank Tim for asking me to not fill his shoes, just to fill this spot for just a few minutes. So, But I uh, pray that tonight that God speaks to us. He speaks through us, and not me speaking, but God alone speaks to us. My words are meaningless, my words are useless, but God's words mean everything. And so tonight, I'd like to read to you from the, the book of Matthew, and we're going to skip around a little bit, and so I've got the, the words are going to be up on the screen, but uh, so you won't have to keep going back and forth, but um, from the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and we're going to start reading in verse 37 and go through verse 44, and I was surprised this morning when Tim was preaching and the song that Natalie sang there at the end, it sort of tied in all together, and I had no idea what he was talking about. He had no idea what I was talking about, and we didn't know what song she was singing either. So I think maybe the Lord's in this tonight, and I'm going to read to you from my Bible, but the older I get, the farther I have to hold that Bible away from me so I can read those words. I'm getting to the matter where I need those, those big print words. You know, I don't have that yet, and I'm trying to hold out and not get that, but it's coming pretty soon. So starting in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were <clears throat> eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken the other left. Watch therefore, if you do not know the hour, your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. There also, therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Let us pray. Our Father, speak to us tonight, Lord. Use me as your vessel but only your message tonight, Lord, speak to us here through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, I don't know if you've looked real closely at the world we live in today, but I want to tell you, it's not real good. And I have to say that this message tonight, it was, it's a, it was a difficult one. As I was preparing, I was cut to the quick quite often. So please know that when I'm preaching tonight, I'm preaching to myself much more than I'm preaching to anyone else here so um, just hang in there till the end, though. I'm sure it'll get better. Hopefully it will at the end. Um, but, y'all, today's world is not something to be proud of. Uh, the old saying, it ain't what it used to be. 
It's absolutely the truth. It just ain't. It ain't what it used to be. When I was growing up in McCray, Georgia, back in the 70s and 80s, it's a long time in it, Grace. <laughs> when I was growing up back in the 70s and 80s, you could ride down the street through neighborhoods and you'd see kids playing everywhere, all out in the yards. And we'd have a football game going over here and over, over a couple blocks over you'd have a baseball game going on. And then you'd have a pickup basketball game going on. And I know they were all going on because I was in them. I went to all of them, played in all of them. You could go to a church revival. My grandparents, um, little old country church, a couple of hours from here, you'd go there at a revival and you'd have to put pews down, the, I mean, uh, chairs down the aisles because there wasn't enough seats. You'd have to put chairs on the sides. You'd have to open up the doors at the vestibule and put chairs in the vestibule because there wasn't enough seats. People revered the things of God and thought of them as sacred. But today, it seems like the opposite. So this morning, I'd like to look at what the Bible says about the state of our world, and then, more importantly, the state of man's heart, because that's what's the most important. Our scripture takes us back to Jesus' day. Jesus had been speaking to, the, to a multitude in which he strongly condemned the Pharisees and the scribes. Typically, those were the ones thought of to be the, the religious people. In chapter 23, right before our, our scripture, in the 39 verses in chapter 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, eight times. He called the eight woes. Eight times. And called them a brood of vipers. Scribes and the Pharisees. The elite of that day. The religious leaders. And then in verse 39 of 23, he says, you shall see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus wouldn't preach to the Pharisees anymore after that. He said, I've given you the truth. I've preached to you and I'm done with you. I'm not preaching to you anymore. He left them alone. What a horrible state it is when Jesus leaves us alone. It's a sad state. Then we see in chapter 24, Jesus left the temple area and the disciples that were with him seemed to be marveling at this, this temple, this majestic, awesome building, the, probably the most grand building in all of the, the world at that particular time. Herod the Great was in the process of renovating that temple at the time, and, and those disciples that were with him were just talking about how great of, of an accomplishment it was. They were marveling at the accomplishments of man. But Jesus told them then of the impending doom of that building. He says, there won't be one stone left on the other. That's how great it is. And they apparently wasn't real sure of what Jesus was talking about. So they waited until they got over to the Mount of Olives and of our youth are listening tonight. They'll know a little bit about that because you leave the temple, you cross over that Kidron Valley, and then you go up onto the Mount of Olives where Jesus preached so often and taught so often. And they started to ask him things then in verse 3 in chapter 24. It says, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? That sermon's called the Olivet Discourse. And they were asking about the conditions of the world. What would it be like during that time? What can they look for to know that that time is here? How do we know when this time of the coming of the kingdom, when is that going to happen? Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name and say that I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Jesus was saying, listen to me, listen to my preaching, listen to my teaching, 
Look at my example. Look at my life. Examine my life and the things that I've done so that you will know. Remember all these things so that you will know and you will not be deceived and you will not be led astray. How many times, Jill, we talked about this for a minute this morning in Sunday school. How many times have we heard someone, someone tell us, well, the Bible says so-and-so. And we say, well, that doesn't sound exactly quite right, but I'm not familiar with it enough to really know or to ask a question or to, to go back and, and go back against what he just said. Or how many times have we heard preachers preach something that's not correct? They're preaching uh, incorrect theology, but you didn't know that it was wrong because you wasn't quite sure. Now, I'm not talking about Tim. <laughs> Tim's spot on. Tim's my guy. But... Uh, <laughs> But many times I hear preachers on, on TV, I hear things that I've sat in, in, in uh, services and, and heard things, I've said, that's, that's not right. But many times we don't know because we don't know the scriptures well enough. They, they can lead you into some very bad places, they can teach you wrong things, and so what's the remedy for that? We need to do exactly what Jesus said to do. Look at his teachings, look at his preachings, look at his life and the examples that he, that he gave to us. So that no one can lead us astray. We have to do better, y'all. The problem is people these days don't study enough to know. Or study at all to know. We must do better. I must do better. We have to study. We have to know. Jesus said, do not be deceived. And then Jesus gives his disciples some of the signs in, in chapter 24 and verse 6. Saying there will be wars. And rumors of wars, nations rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, famines, pestilence, etc. He says that with these signs, that is, the end is not yet. These are signs, but it's not the end yet. This is the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of birth pains. What he's telling them is these are signs of what's coming, but more is coming. These are just the beginning. Y'all, no one knows when Jesus is going to return. And the ones that you hear say when they, they know when Jesus is going to return, they're lying to you. They're trying to sell a book. They're trying to sell a TV show. They're trying to sell something. They don't know any more than, anybody, than, than we do. So what must we do? We must be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Because he's coming when we don't know it. Then Jesus, or then in verse 37, Jesus gives us the best picture of the times of when he'll make his return. This was our focal passage, and I'll read it to you again. It says, but as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and getting, getting married and being given in marriage. But what Jesus was saying here is that the people of Noah's day were oblivious to the things that were going on in the world. They were carrying on unaware of the times that they lived in. They thought that there was nothing wrong and nothing was ever going to change and everything was great and they could live the way they wanted to and nothing was ever going to happen to them. They were blinded to the coming judgment that was upon them. So it also will be when Jesus comes again. So let's look at what was going on in the days before the flood and to get a better picture of what we're talking about here. So in Genesis chapter six and verse five, 
says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. He was grieved not because God thought he had made a mistake, but he was grieved because man had strayed so far away from God's original plan. Remember back in Genesis chapter 3, where it said God was walking in the garden. For some reason, I love this. It was, God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he called out to Adam. God's original plan was to commune with man in this way, to be with man in paradise, to fellowship with us in perfect harmony in his perfect creation. But we caused all that to go terribly wrong. We caused separation from God through sin. And once sin entered the world, it ran rampant. But not because God chose for that to happen, but because we chose that over God. We chose that over his perfect purpose. And once we choose sin, it keeps getting uglier and more vile and more destructive, and we can't stop it. And then in verse 11, it says that the earth was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Folks, if you don't think this world's violent, and there's violence everywhere, you got your head in the sand. It's everywhere. There's no way where you can go to escape the violence of this day. Rioting, murder, vile things done against children, and probably the most destructive of them all, constant lying. Corruption. Don't turn on your TV or your computer or Open up your smartphone if you don't want to see the corruption that's going on in our world and in our society. Look at our political system. Making up lies about someone or making up lies about yourself to make you look better and to them, make them look worse. To get more votes. And I'm not telling you one side's better than the other. I got my opinions, but it's all corrupt. Well, not all, but most are corrupt. And some of the things you see, see and hear our leaders do are unbelievable. But it's not just politics. It's in our workplaces. It's in our families. And unfortunately, it's in some churches. Taking evil and calling it good and taking good and calling it evil, as it says in Isaiah 5.20. In 2 Thessalonians 2.3, it says, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. The great falling away. An apostasy. An apostate is one that receives the truth, rejects the truth, scoffs at the truth, and then replaces the truth with lies, corruption, and deceit. They receive, reject, and replace the truth. They receive the truth of God, which is Jesus himself. You know, Jesus is... Standing before Pilate, right before Pilate sentences him, he's standing before him and he says, um, those who love truth, listen to me. And Pilate says, what is truth? He had the truth incarnate standing in front of him and he didn't recognize it. How often does that happen to us? He just couldn't see it. They decide that the truth does not fit their lifestyle and then they reject that truth and try to replace the truth was some type of man-made truth, which is no truth at all. But it makes men feel good. It tickles their ears. It causes no conviction, 
and spoils men into thinking that it's all about them and not about God. It's the worst possible thing, which is a man-made form of godliness, and we call it religion. It's dangerous. It's not holiness. It's not godliness. It's religion. If you go back to Matthew chapter 23, you remember what Jesus said? He said it eight times. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, woe to you who are religious. And they were given the truth in the law. And then they made it into something man-made. And that was not God's intent. And now they only fought it because it made them feel better about themselves and made them look better to others. But God was nowhere in it. Hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I'm doing. It's all about me. They were religious. They were not about the things of God, only about the things of themselves. Y'all, I don't want to be religious. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be a disciple of Christ. I don't want to be just religious. But today, this religiousness is the norm. Preachers preach a prosperity gospel. It's such a shame. You can listen to the largest churches in our country and never hear the name of Jesus. Never. It's only about thinking good thoughts and a check will show up in your mailbox. Or you'll get a better job. You'll have all these things just given to you. Many of, many of the, the preachers now are more, I say, more life coaches than they are preachers. You never hear the gospel of Jesus. You never hear repentance. You never hear reconciliation. You never hear about walking through the valley of the shadow of death where we come closer to God. That's where we get closest to God. It's where we have to really rely on him and trust him. And it's only about the pleasure that you hear. It's never about God being with you through the pain and the tough times that you will endure in life. You know, our society has never been farther away from God than it is right now. Join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Andy Wells' message, As It Was in the Days of Noah. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.